Pastor? Take our Bibles, please, and turn to Genesis chapter 2. Now let's look to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you this day that we can come together uh, to worship you. We thank you and come together and uh, celebrate uh, Santa Fiona's 35th wedding anniversary. We thank you, Father, that we can uh, honour you today. I pray that, Lord, you bless our time in your word. May it be uh, a blessing to our hearts, may it be instructive, but, Lord, above all, may you receive all the praise and all the glory. Uh, guide our time, we pray, this morning. Give uh, me wisdom, Father, I pray, and allow me to speak your word clearly uh, to your glory. And Father, just take charge of this service and use it for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is a special day for Stan and Fiona, for it's their 35th wedding anniversary. And uh, they have invited us to join with them as they renew their wedding vows. And therefore, I want to take a few moments this morning to speak about the value of marriage. For no other earthly relationship is more important than the husband-wife relationship. Yet, you know, marriage as an institution is being assailed on every side by its critics today. Humanists deny the biblical truth about marriage as they do the rest of the scriptures. And they substitute their own sometimes bizarre theories with regard to the origin of the family. You know, to them, the family is merely a social institution that was, has evolved through the ages. One proponent of such a view writes, it is not known when the family originated, although it was probably between 2 million and 100,000 years ago. It's not known whether the kind, uh, some kind of embryonic family came before, with, or after the origin of language. The chances are that language and the family developed together over a long period, but the evidence is sketchy. You know, some evolutionists reject, uh, or rather all evolutionists reject divine revolution, revelation. They are forced to speculate as the beginning of the human family. You know, for those of us who know Jesus Christ as Saviour, there is no such doubts about the origin of the family, the origin of marriage. For God very carefully gave us inspired, the inspired record of the first marriage and the first family. You know, the church was not yet founded when God founded the family as an institution. The state was not a formal institution when God brought into existence the family. And the family is foundational to all of our society. It's critical, therefore, that we reaffirm the biblical principles concerning the family. And the first basic principle that needs to be reasserted is that marriage is God-ordained. Marriage is God-ordained. Look in Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 22, if you would, please. We read this. Now, the Lord God said it is not good that man should be alone. I'm not going to help me for him. Now the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. 
But for Adam, there was not found and help me for him. God caused a deep, uh, caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Here recorded for us in Genesis chapter 2 and verses 18 to 22, the family was instituted and originated with God. This was God's design for the human race. This was not some design that, you know, man made up. This was God's design. God had a plan. Just after he created Adam and Eve, he had a pl- after he created man, he had a plan for Adam and Eve. He had a plan for God, uh, for man from God to know what to, he wanted with regard to the human family. God placed man whom he created in a perfect garden. In verse 15 we read, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. God had created man out of the dust of the ground. He then placed him inside a perfect garden with the plan that he would take care of that garden. And then we read in verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I'll make it help me for him. God makes this statement, a declaration with regard to Adam that it was not good that he be alone, that Adam needed a helpmate. He needed someone to come alongside him who would compliment him, somebody who would come alongside him and complete him, someone who would come alongside him and be a helpmate for him, an encouragement for him, someone who would be there with him. You know, it's quite wrong to imagine that somewhere in a cave around a flickering fire, One night, a group of previously promiscuous people decided that marriage might be a good idea. All we have to do is look at society. Society would rather not be married than be married in general. And so it's it's bizarre to believe that somehow this was an invention of man. It's not a social contract that man worked out. It's not some social contract that man found useful that some caveman somewhere thought, well, it'd be smart for us to have a marriage and that we'd get married and live that way, that there was some idea of mankind. If that was so, we might readily work on better options in the days to come. You know, that's what the caveman thought was a good idea. But we've evolved a long way since then. We're smarter, we're better than then. And surely now that we've moved on in history, there might be a better way of... Uh, Uh, running a family, a better way of doing things. Indeed, some hold the optional view, think that there are better options. In fact, one commentator said this, marriage was fine for its time, they say, but now we've outgrown it. We need a bigger suit. Now that we have the pill and legalized abortion, most of the usefulness of marriage has disappeared. And society in general, if you uh, look at them, yes, marriage is something we do still, but there is this idea that marriage is only one option. There are other options. And we have all these different kinds of families, you know, uh, out there now. Different relationships. And and all these are supposed to be accepted because, you know, we have grown up. Marriage was good for a bygone era, but today there needs to be all these different options. Marriage is okay for some, but... Everybody else needs to be able to choose their different ways. The truth is that marriage isn't like that. 
You know, many things in life are like that, uh, like those good ideas. They're a good idea just for the time. And then along comes a better idea. You know, the horse and carriage was a good idea for the time, but when the uh, horseless carriage came along, people found that it was better. It took them further. They were able to accomplish more. And so now cars are the preferred option, not a horse and carriage. And so there are some things that over history can be disregarded when something better comes along. But that's not marriage. Because marriage is different because according to verse 18, it was ordained of God. It says, and the Lord God said, it was not good that man should live alone. I'll make and help meet for him. This was emphatic. The Lord God said. This is what God's plan was for mankind. This was his design for men and women. This was his plan for the family. The Lord God said, in fact, that phrase is repeated often in this passage. In verse 19, the Lord God, sorry, verse 21, the Lord God caused. And in verse 22, and read when the Lord God. Over and over again, the Lord inserts his name into this marriage relationship because it's of him. You know, the Christian should have no doubts about the origin of the family. For the first marriage ceremony was formed in the Garden of Eden with God himself, the officiating minister, at the ceremony. Verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. He took, out, uh, took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and he brought her unto the man. God was there uh, in that garden and he took Adam, he caused a deep sleep to fall upon him, he took a rib and he formed a woman to be a helpmeet for Adam. Marriage is basic to society because God ordained marriage for all time, not for just a brief period of world's history, but this was God's design for the family, for all of history. When there's strong marriages, there's strong society. Strong societies are built upon strong families, and strong families are built upon strong marriages. This was God's plan, God's design, God's intent for mankind. A marriage is nothing less than a covenant ordained by God. Verse 22 again. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. A covenant in the scripture is a solemn arrangement involving a ruler and a subject. And here in Genesis 2.22, God the ruler brought the woman to the man, the subject. God brought Eve to Adam. And Adam's response is, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman. The marriage relationship was complete. Malachi also refers to marriage as a covenant. God had refused to accept the offerings of his people. And they ask in Malachi 2.14, Yet ye say, wherefore? Because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously. Yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. 
God argues with the nation of Israel here, and he tells them that their wives are their companions and they're a wife by covenant. This institution called marriage is a God-ordained relationship and it's a covenant relationship that is before Almighty God. The man and the woman are married before Almighty God and that's a covenant relationship. They make their vows before God. They make their vows before the one who created them. And they enter into a covenant relationship made in the presence of God. And 35 years ago, Stan and Fiona entered into that covenant relationship that they're here today to celebrate. It's a covenant relationship. It's a God-ordained relationship. You know, marriage is God's way. He ordained it. And because marriage is from God, we know, secondly, that marriage is good. Marriage is good. Verse 18 of this chapter says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I'll make an help meet for him. Now it's interesting to note that when marriage is ordained in the Garden of Eden, that this happens before the fall. In chapter 3 and verse 1 we read, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And you know the story. Satan uh, uh, tempts Eve. Eve partakes of the fruit that she's not supposed to eat of. She gives unto Adam. He partakes, and the two of them fear God. They're hiding from the Lord. And the Lord said, We're out there, and said, We're afraid, and we, we're naked, we hid. And the Lord then judges them for their sin. But marriage precedes their sin. Marriage precedes the fall. And it's important that we understand that. We understand the institution of marriage was not instituted because of the fall. It was instituted prior to the fall. This was God's perfect design for man and woman. You know, the way some people speak about marriage, the way they disparage the relationship, they make fun and joke about marriage. You might think that marriage was introduced by Satan, that this was something he imposed upon mankind, that he brought about because it was part of the fall. But Genesis chapter 2 precedes Genesis chapter 3 because marriage was instituted before the fall. You know, some people even think that marriage is represented as, a, uh, rather, some people represent marriage as a sinful and inferior relationship because the union is between two sinners. Now, we can't escape that. We're both sinners. When we marry, it's two sinners coming together in a relationship. But that does not make the relationship inferior. It does not make it a, a, a butt of jokes. It doesn't make it something that is irrelevant because it was ordained of God in the garden prior to the fall. This is God's important relationship. Marriage is beautiful. Marriage is wonderful. In fact, God says marriage is good. And therefore, we read in Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is honorable in all things. It's an honorable relationship. 
You know, marriage is good because it's from God. So verse 18, when it says, The Lord God said it's not good that man should be alone, I'll make it help meet for him. If it's not good that he should be alone, then it is good that he should be married. It's a good thing. Marriage is a good thing. It's the thing that God ordained. In Ephesians, Paul parallels the marriage relationship to the whole relationship that exists between Jesus Christ and the church. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5, please. I know you know this passage well, but it is worth reading again. Ephesians chapter 5. and verse 21, we read this. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves in your own husbands as under the Lord, for the Lord, for the he- husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the saviour of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husband, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Here the Apostle Paul takes this union of marriage and relates it to the relationship of Christ the church. And the reason why God makes that comparison is because he considers marriage to be holy and righteous. He considers marriage to be honorable. He considers marriage to be good. And therefore he relates it to the relationship between Christ and his church because of what marriage is. In fact, you know, it's the presence of Jesus Christ that makes, in a marriage, that makes the difference. It shouldn't surprise us that the world questions the validity of marriage. It shouldn't surprise us that some in the world don't want to be married. They want to live in uh, de facto relationships or even in other kinds of relationships that are uh, somewhat bizarre today. Because, you know, marriage is something that God ordained. If you don't believe in God, then why would you believe in marriage? And God ordained that marriage so that it might be a representation of the relationship between Christ and his church. It's an honorable relationship. It's a good relationship. And it's the presence of Jesus Christ in that relationship that makes the difference. You know, when both the husband and the wife know Jesus Christ their Savior, when both of them have a relationship with the Lord, then the marriage union is complete. Because Christ in the center makes that marriage what God wants it to be. Christ makes the difference. And when a husband and wife are saved, that union becomes something that is special, something that is glorious, something that is God honoring something that God blesses. 
Now in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, the Lord had said it's not good that man should be alone. And in verse 22 we read, and uh, uh, verse 21 rather, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed the flesh thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and he brought her unto the man. And so we find that it was not good that man should be, be alone, but the Lord made a helpmeet for Adam. God took a rib from Adam and formed from that rib a woman, a helper. Why? Why did Adam need a helper? Well, because it was not good for him to be alone. God never intended man to be alone. God wanted man to have a helpmeet, someone who would come alongside him and aid him. It's not good to be, if it's not good to be alone, then it's good to be married. It's a good thing. Marriage is a good thing. And those of us who are married ought to see it that way. We ought to praise God for our uh, husband or our wife. We ought to give thanks to God for those relations, that relationship. It's a good thing. Now, the truth is, if marriage were inferior, if the marriage state were an inferior state, God would never have uttered those words. He would never have said, it's not good for man to be alone, and he would never have created Eve for Adam if marriage was inferior. God says it's not good, therefore it is good for him to be married. And if it's good for him to be married, then this is something that is superior. This is a superior relationship. It's an honourable, good relationship. Somebody said the basic, ordinary and most natural state for man and woman is the state of marriage. Now there are those who will live all of their lives outside of marriage. There are some people to whom God gives a special grace of celibacy. That's true. And you and I can probably name some famous people who God has used and they never married. But God created woman for Adam because he said it was not good for him to be alone. It's interesting, the verse that follows verse 18, a survey is made of the animal world. And that's what it says in verse 19. Now the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to all the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found and help meet for him. God parades before Adam all the animals and all the fowl of the air, and Adam names them all. And I think the reason why God does that is so that Adam realizes he's alone, that he needs a helpmeet. Because as those animals parade before him, every one of those animals has a partner. You know, there is a Mr. and Mrs. Kangaroo, and there's a Mr. and Mrs. Giraffe, and Mr. and Mrs. Elephant. You can almost see Adam scratching his head thinking to himself, there's nobody for me. 
And that's exactly what the Lord says. In verse 22, at the end there, he says, But for Adam there was not found an help meet for him. There was not a mate for him. There was nobody fit, worthy, suitable for Adam. And so consequently, by direct creation, God produced Eve, a companion suitable for Adam. Someone who was his partner. In fact, it's interesting, she's called Adam later on in Genesis. Both of them are called Adam. That's because this relationship is, is a unity. Uh, the two become one flesh. She was made specially for Adam. She fitted his needs. That's exactly what marriage is. God ordained marriage and he brings a man and a woman together so that the man will not be alone, that he might have a helpmeet fit for him, suitable for him. So that in Proverbs we read in Proverbs 18.22, Whosoever findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor with the Lord. The word findeth is the word take hold of. The word obtaineth means secures and favor is God's delight. You know, God is thrilled when we take hold of God's choice for our lives and we marry in his will. We find favor with the Lord. When we find a wife, we find favor with the Lord. It's a good thing. It's God's delight. When we take hold of the partner that God has designed for us and we marry them, it's God's delight. It's a good thing. It's important, young people, who are here today who are not married, that you seek God's will with regards to who you marry. That you don't just marry for the sake of marrying, but you seek God's will with regards to who he wants you to marry. Who is it that he's chosen to be your partner? Who is it he's chosen that will make he made suitable for you? It's important that you marry in the center of God's will. For when you do, you'll secure God's favor, God's delight, and you'll find a good thing in marriage. And from that will flow God's blessing. Science Stan and Fiona celebrate their 35 years of marriage today. Let's never forget that marriage is ordained of God. And therefore it's good. And those of us who know Christ as Savior, let's remember that marriage is ordained of God. It's an ordained covenant relationship before Almighty God. And remember that the presence of Jesus Christ makes all the difference in marriage. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word this morning and for your leading with regard to marriage. We thank you, Father God, for your word being clear, being precise with regard to what marriage is. And that, Father, that uh, you indeed have ordained marriage and declared it good. We pray today as we reflect upon that, as 
Santa and Fiona renew their vows that, Father God, we would indeed give thanks unto you for this institution of marriage because you deserve all the glory because it is your ordained covenant relationship. Thank you, Father, now for your word. Bless our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the children can...